I woke up this morning with the Lord saying, like, Ross, what I want you to share this morning is burning on my heart. It's burning on my heart. And like, I love that picture of what Brian said now, that marinating actually, because it does, it does something. It softens our hearts, and sometimes it makes our hearts ready actually for the seed to get sowed. And I do feel like, I think if there's only one, if there's one person here this morning that needs to hear what I've got to say, then, then like, that's God's burning for your heart. He's burning for you this morning. So, I, like, I'm excited. I think there's somebody here this morning, I'm convinced of it, that does not know Jesus. It's never surrendered their life to Jesus. I'm convinced of it. Like, I, whether somebody responds or commits their life, to, it doesn't matter because I, I believe in my heart that somebody here this morning actually doesn't know Jesus and that something's going to shift in their heart and in mind this morning as I share. So, I am... Um, I'm excited. Come on. <laughs> At the beginning of worship, like, um, just hang on a second. Sorry. At the beginning of worship, I don't know about you if it was just personally for me, but I, feel, I felt like it was quite a lot of resistance. Um, and I think sometimes what happens is often when the Lord wants to share, wants to impart something, wants to share something, there actually is resistance because the enemy doesn't want to happen what God wants to happen, right? So he throws everything in the book, at a, like, you know, in the kitchen sink at us, in a sense, to stop that from happening. But God, he's bigger than that, right? So we want to be wise, wiser than the enemy. And I think we want to just, so maybe just before I share, can we, can we just, can we, yeah, let's just open our hearts. And Lord, we just want to submit the morning to you, just even what I have to say, Lord. I pray that your words are heard, your word, your seeds are planted, Lord, that your spirit does the work. Lord, that you reach, you want to reach this morning. I pray that hearts are open, um, open to correction, but also open to just um, responding, awakening to you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and speak now. Amen. So um, I do feel there is something of, uh, obviously it's quite obvious, we've been in a bit of a, an evangelism time, we've had Jonathan Conrad with us, we like, it does feel like that's the obvious thing, right? And the Lord woke me, like I said, he woke me up this morning with this rust, like evangelism, preaching the gospel, it burns on my heart, it burns on my heart, I'm not, I want my people to get that. I want them to understand that. And I want to kind of use maybe last week I, I, I spoke a little bit about, and about 80% of us kind of responded to that in realigning our life to actually what's important in the kingdom, and that is to preach the gospel, bind up the brokenhearted, preach freedom to the captives, and declare the year of the Lord's favor. You remember that? Right? The Lord's Spirit is upon me. And Luke, he says it in Luke, and he says it in Isaiah again. He said, to preach the gospel, to bind up the broken heart, to set the captives free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that's like, and I want to kind of use that to go, okay, well, so what does that mean to us? Because if we hear that and we respond to it, but we don't do it, we become hearers of the word and not doers of the word. And I do feel the Lord is shifting our gaze, Weinberg, Josh Jen, his people, outwards, going, hey, stop Think that I don't know. I think Margaret brought that word. Lord, stop looking at our dress because we're the bride. Stop looking at us. Stop navel gazing. Actually, but shift outward focus because this pleases Him. This brings joy to His heart, and it's something that's burning on His heart. So, I mean, James says, "Be hearers of the word and not uh, doers." Um, 
So obviously I've spent, so, spent a little bit of time with, with Jonathan Conrath this last week. It sounds like we've had over, like, we've had over 300 salvations or something throughout Josh Jen in the last week. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. I mean, we were at a, and I don't know how this works, but <laughs> an equipping like, so, um, like an equipping time for people that want to move in evangelism, yet still guys are responding to the gospel. <laughs> it's like, but I mean, it's good because often the Lord does a deeper work. Maybe it's a recommitment with something. So never stop. If it's burning on your heart, just get out your seat. Just go, yes. I, I don't know what that means or how that looks, but just do it. Because often that moment of response breaks something in our lives. It's a moment of obedience. It sometimes just breaks the fear of man even in us. So great. If we're having, we had a leaders camp at the beginning of the year and somebody committed their lives to Jesus. <laughs> so guys, this thing I want to talk about is evangelism. Okay, And it's not like, uh, I want to talk a little bit how I think what it means for us, things that prevent us from doing it, and then actually just what, what it means to actually us as a congregation. Because I think there is something, and it is a principle, a spiritual principle of sowing, and often we go out and we think, you know, what does it matter if I'm like if I talk to somebody about Jesus in the corner, or whatever? Like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna interpret into my immediate household. It's not gonna build the, the and it's like that's not that's not good thinking, because we sow and the Lord builds and the Lord adds. Okay, so we will be ministering, preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus, and He will be bringing people in in here that we haven't necessarily invited in, that He's brought in. And maybe they get to hear the gospel here for the first time and they respond to that. Maybe they already know Jesus. But that doesn't really matter, does it? It's a principle that we're responding to in obedience to him and he does the rest of the work. But there is something that maybe I'm spending a little bit of time with, with, um, with Jonathan and, and three of his guys um, that, he, that came out with him this past week. Um, we were just sitting in the car, drove them actually to go and pray for just a quick little testimony. You guys know Mark Fast? Okay, so Mark, obviously, quick, struggling with leukemia, had hectic chemotherapy, he's been really struggling with headaches, there was blood on the brain, um, uh, fluid on the brain, like a lot of stuff was happening. And he couldn't continue with the treatment um, because it was just, he needed to have a spinal tap, uh, his kidneys were too low, a lot of things going on. And I just felt, can't we just go and pray for this guy? Like, I mean, these guys do seem to flow in power and miraculous a bit more than what we do like um, we're desperate let's go like come on guys can we go and they said yeah let's go so I jumped in the car after a meeting on Tuesday um, with three of the guys Jonathan couldn't come and we went to Mike and we couldn't get into him but to actually see him because he was just too weak like he was weak I mean Mike's a friend of mine and when when I go and I could have got in the nurse would have let me in but Mike's like I can't I just can't see anyone I was like, yo, I was, my heart dropped when I heard that. But I got a message from him, and he said, sorry, I just, I, I can't, I'm just. So we went around to the window close to where his hospital bed is. I know where the window is outside, and we just started praying. And he sent me a message, he's like, I can hear, I can hear. And I videoed it, and I, and I, and I sent it to him. And uh, so we kind of pray for like 10, 15 minutes, and uh, then we jump in the car, and we go, and I take him for lunch. And on the way back to, to Sunningdale, I get him, Dylan phones me, Dylan Jones, he's one of the elders with Mark. He's like, did you hear? I'm like, what? He's like, did you not see the message? I'm like, no, no. He's like, Mark's headache's gone. He's all of a sudden got energy. And like, Mariev, he just phoned Mariev. It's the first, the clearest he's been in five days, like, able to speak to her. <laughs> and she told him, yeah, that's cool, eh? 
And she told him to go and have a shower. <laughs> I mean, he's still, it seems like he hasn't fully recovered, but like in that moment, he was so weak, he wasn't able, and, and some, some strength returned to him. He actually wasn't, he didn't have to go for the spinal tap, he, amazingly, and it seems like his white blood cells are also beginning to increase now. We're trusting that they yeah. So, I mean, we don't, I, I don't know, but we, we're trusting and we're speaking life in the situation. So we're trusting for a good report. So how did I get there now? Oh, I was in the car with these three guys. <laughs> like a bit of a tangent, sorry. In the car with these three guys, and we're just talking about just evangelism. I mean, they've, they move in, this, in, in, in that gift. And um, the one guy says to me, he says, you know, we, we need to change our mindset a little bit because often we go out to sow. But there's something, there's sowing and reaping. He says, we also need to reap, actually. Like, often we just, we just sow. We just sow, which is good, but we forget to reap. Like, that's actually bringing people to a point where they actually are able to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And it just, I mean, it's a seemingly, it's like a duh, obviously, but it's a seemingly small thing. But if you just change your mind, like, we need to change our mindset a little bit. Um. I mean, John 4, verse 37, it says, Some to one sows, another reaps. I send you to reap. So there is a sense of actually seeing the harvest come in as well. It's not just like, because I think sometimes we get a little bit, a little bit disheartened because we're just like telling people about Jesus and we don't see people always respond. But there's a, a, an ability, a, not an ability, but maybe a mindset change to actually try and, for lack of a better term, seal the deal. <laughs> It's a really terrible term in this context, but you understand what I'm saying? To actually see the fruit as well, sometimes. Not all the time, though. Because we sow and we reap. And so it was just a little bit in this conversation with them. I was like, yo, I've never actually thought of that. I've, I like, because I'm always just like, oh, I just sow and I'm going to give up, in a sense. But you hear what I'm saying, anyway. So I think the most important thing for us um, in this journey of evangelism and of God's calling us. If he's saying, Weinberg, I want you to shift your focus. I want you to exercise that muscle of evangelism. You know, evangelism is not, Jonathan said it as well, he said it's not a gift actually. People, people will ask, hey, please come and pray for me because I want to receive the gift of evangelism. He's like, that's impossible because there is no gift of evangelism. We all call to evangelize. There is an evangelist like, and this is one of the fivefold, uh, um, uh, fivefold ministry, and they themselves are the gift. Like Jonathan is, is an evangelist. He comes and he equips. He leaves a, a wake of destruction in the enemy camps behind him. But he, <laughs> but, but he equips the saints to do the works of the ministry. And what are the works of the ministry? To preach the gospel, to bind up the brokenhearted, set the captives free, declare the year of the Lord's favor. That's our responsibility. That's our job. And um, there is something in us in actually beginning to walk in those things. So I, uh, the firstly, the most important thing, I think, and, and I've, I've jotted down a few things maybe that hinder us from actually going out there and speaking about Jesus and, and, and sharing the gospel. But before I even get to those things, the most important thing for us is we need to understand how badly we need the gospel. Just, just think about that for a second. You need to understand how badly you need it 
Because if you don't get that, if you don't understand that without Jesus Christ, without what he's done for us, you, you, like, you're hopeless. Hopeless. Like in capital H, capital O, capital P, E, hopeless. Like without the good news. And the good news is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Like this, if you think your life was okay, like I wasn't such a bad person, you know, I probably would have got there. No, you're missing it. You're missing it. And if you meditate, it's actually, I think it's a good thing to medicate. To me medicate. Oh. Medicate, medicate on the word of the Lord, <laughs> to meditate on the word of the Lord, like on, on that revelation of how badly we need the gospel. Because it, what it does is it cuts you to the heart and it makes you realize how lost you were without him. And then it becomes a revelation, it, becomes, it fills you up, and how can you not but share what he has done for you? It's, you understand? Because if it's not that great, you're not, probably not going to share it, right? It's like... Yeah, I don't know. Think of a bad, bad example, but <laughs> so I think there's this something, and there's an urgency in us of how we we um, share. Even like I'm using a couple of his examples just because I love them, though. But he used the one example of a, a, a of somebody in a house. If you live across the road from somebody and you wake up in the middle of the night and you see their house is burning, would you go to that person? Ring the bell. The guy sticks his head out the window. And you go, listen, sorry, like, you know, don't want to disturb you. Like, you know, it's, it's not such a big problem, but, you know, there seems to be, like, a little bit of uh, smoke coming out. You know, there's a, and, like, like act, what actual fact, the guy's house is, like, you could check flames, his bottom floor's on fire. He's like, you know, it's such a big problem, you know, but, like, <laughs> you know. And the guy's like, it's 12 o'clock at night. Like, leave me alone. Like, you know what I'm saying? As opposed to going there going, your house is on fire. Like, wake up, get out, get everybody out. Like, the guys, there's a different response. There's a conviction even in you which conveys something, an urgency to people. And I think that's something that we need to, we need, it's, a, it's something we need to walk in, is an urgency. An urgency that Jesus is coming back soon, that you might die tomorrow and you might not know where you're going. Like, actually, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. Hell, that's a scary place. It's not a popular topic in today, but it's a place, and it's flipping scary. And it's not nice. Uh, let me, I'll, I'll get there. You're going to deal right away. Wait, give me a second. So I'll, we'll share that story. So, so there's a gentleman that he bumped into at the back of the church one meeting, and um, he, uh, he was just chatting to him at the coffee table. It seemed like nobody had spoken to him. Spoke to the guy, and uh, the, somehow in the conversation, John, he took it there, and the guy managed, well, the guy committed his life to Jesus. And, um, and it wasn't a big moment or anything like that. He didn't respond, come to the front. It was just Jonathan got him at the coffee table, identified him as nobody speaking to him, went and spoke to the guy, and kind of didn't think too much about it. And um, the next day, he was, was leaving the little town that he was in, and he said he was on the road. And on the way out, he, he saw an ambulance on the side of the road with quite a crowd of people, and he went to go see if he could help, and he kind of pushed his way through the crowd. And there was the man 
that he had just prayed for the day before, lying dead. Like, you know, he said the gospel's only good news if it gets there on time. Like, so there's an urgency in us. There's, I, I remember repeating a lot of, some of you guys have heard a lot of these things, but there's an urgency in us that needs to be cultivated in us to actually reach people, to actually go, you know, do you know what danger you're in? And, uh, and really, it will never be, there will never be that urgency in us if we don't know how badly we need it. So um, a couple of things I've just maybe, I've, I've written down that prevent us often from going to share. And I think some of you, I'm, I'm sure you guys will be able to identify this with, because I can identify most of these things as well. And the first one, if you're taking notes, maybe just the first one is, is a lack of confidence. So we might think, oh, lack of confidence in my ability, and maybe that could stem from something, but no, that's not what I'm saying. Actually, a lack of confidence in the gospel. That we, we need to realize that it's not our responsibility to, to save people. The gospel is what saves people. It's the good news. We, we, we need to take that expectation off us, maybe, and I'll get to that now. But there's a sense of it's the gospel. And we often become ashamed of almost ashamed of it in a sense, because we, we don't have faith in it. We actually, there's no confidence in it that we, that's what needs to be done. Um, Romans 1 verse 6 says this, you can put it up. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God. That brings salvation to everyone believes. Not me. I don't, we don't save them. It's his good news that saves them. And we also we need to know, because this message that we share is going to be death to some and life to others. So it's going to be condemnation to some people. People that don't embrace it, people that don't believe it, it's going to be death to them. They're going to feel heavy under it, actually, because they don't receive it. But it's life to those that receive it, because it's, those, are the, those are those that are being saved. So you need, even in this journey, even in our quest to see the kingdom expand, to share the gospel, we need to know that some are going to reject us. We need to stop, maybe we need to stop worrying about the results so much and start being obedient to what the command is. And the command is to go and make disciples of men. We often, uh, <laughs> Cain is one of Jonathan's things, he challenges us because we often get we can defend our position about evangelism and say, no, we're called to make disciples. And then therefore we don't necessarily go and evangelize. And he's like, yeah, but we don't want to make converts. And he says, yeah, but you need a convert before you have a disciple. So you need to go and there needs to be a conversion. People need to change their direction and then you disciple them. And we can very easily hide behind that and go, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm into discipleship. And that's good. We need to be into discipleship because we're called to disciple, go and make disciples. But there comes a point of actually them stepping into the kingdom. Um, point number two. So point number one, lack of confidence in the gospel. Point number two is fear of rejection. So how many of you guys feel like, a bit intimidated when you want to go and share. Like, I, feel, I felt like that before. I don't know quite what to say. I mean, there are many different emotions and feelings go through me in that moment. Um, and it's actually, that's fear of man. Fear of man manifests itself in many different 
fashions and forms throughout our fear to share the gospel, actually. But fear of rejection. We fear that they are going to reject the message that we have. And again, it's to remind you that it's not on us to make them accept, make them, we, it's not on us to make them respond to that message. But I just want to maybe just two scriptures I want to share with you to encourage you on that point. Matthew 5, verse 10 to, 10 to 11 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Blessed are you. So if you encounter those things, if you are rejected, blessed are you. Would you not want to be blessed in that moment? Like Luke 6 verse 22 to 23 said, blessed. It's the same, pretty much the same scripture, but just in Luke said, blessed are you when people hate you. And when they exclude you and revile you, spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your rewards are great in heaven. Like, that's God encouraging us. That's like, right there, it's Jesus encouraging us to say, when people don't accept what I'm actually bringing to them, when they do reject you, blessed are you, because you're doing what I've called you to do. Number three, are you guys following me? Number three, fear of failure. Performance anxiety. Can't do it. So I get weak. And I just get debilitated. And I can't move forward in what I've been called to do. How, how many people feel like that? Like, you know, like, but she has the truth. It's Again, it's not you that's saving them. When we get that feeling, it's actually because the, the weight is illegitimately on our shoulders where it should be on the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. We're just passing the message along. We're not the ones saving them. We can't carry them over the line. And I think there's a thing, like, we, we, again, it's, it hinders us. So you've got to ask yourself, why do I feel like I'm, a, why do I feel like I'm, that I'm failing if they're not responding to the gospel? Because... Again, it's, you, it's not your problem. Am I making sense? If you have shared, you're obedient to God. You have failed if you haven't shared. So we've been given a task. We've been given a commission. So if you've, if you've shared the truth, you've been obedient. If you don't share the truth, then you haven't been obedient. We want to be obedient, right? Doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So I'm just nailing these things because, they, uh, come on, they've got to be coming up in your heart and your mind. I'll tell you a little story now. Like this week, um, I um, was with my girls in Checkers. And uh, I was like, come on. Like, obviously, now I've been all excited. I've been with, with a bunch of evangelists. Now they, you know, so I'm going to say to them, come, let's, let's find somebody to tell them about Jesus. And now, now you can imagine, like, it's just nerve-wracking. Like, I'm standing there now, and Anya's looking at me. She goes, really? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And like the thoughts that are going through my head, like how am I gonna how am I gonna speak to this person? What if they don't like what if they react funny and like put all the tension and checkers towards us? Like like all these thoughts go through my head. It's normal. And I'll finish the story just now. <laughs> so number four not knowing what to say or to do. How often does that confront you and that stops you and hinders you from going to speak to somebody 
I mean, that's often like that, that entry point, that point of conversation. How do I bring the conversation to Jesus? How do I approach this person? I felt that very, I felt that very if you want to call it a thought or emotion or whatever, this week when I was in the checkers with the girls. I'm looking, watching people walk past me going, Lord, like, who? <laughs> Who's it going to be? <laughs> and then, we have to be led by the Holy Spirit, guys. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to show us in the moment. And to be honest, though, this is a skill I think you can grow in. The Lord, the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. I've watched, I mean, like, some guys are, are very good. But it's because they haven't neglected doing it. They've actually, they've, they've done it. So they've practiced, and there's a sense of, even, even this, on a Sunday morning, if I, throw, I, I know a lot of the time, I've told you this many times, I know, a, like, on a Sunday morning, I know almost everyone here. Sometimes I don't. And I'll still throw the gospel message out. Why? I'm, I'm just being dead, I'm being very vulnerable with you guys. I'm practicing. I'm practicing. Maybe somebody does respond, but I'm just, I want to be flowing in that thing that whatever I say, I'm able to somehow wrap it into the gospel and somehow, because that's the point, is to, to, to snatch people. It's not us, it's him who does it, but we do somehow convey the gospel to snatch them out of darkness and thrust them into light. And uh, come on, like just sharpen your, sharpen your weapon. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. And I mean, like, you could spend an entire day giving people tools on how to do it. But if you don't dip your toe in the ocean, it's never going to get wet. Like, you've got to start. <laughs> so let me finish this story with a, little go- with a lady in the shop. So I'm, so I'm leaning over the trolley. I'm looking. I'm looking. Like, Lord, praying. It's like, And Anya's looking at me, and Ella's sitting in the trolley just going... <laughs> And, uh, and I see a lady walk like, down the aisle, and she walks, and she's got uh, the, the, the word love written on her shirt. So I'm like, ha, easy target. <laughs> it must be the Lord. <laughs> and even in that moment, I'm like, okay, I'm just going like, to risk it. I don't know what to do right now. So I'm like, okay, Lord, just show me. Even if I'm just sowing seeds and practicing doing this, I know there's a principle that I'm sowing into here. So... I wheel the trolley down there, and I look at her and go, hi. She's like, hi. She's on her phone. And Anya, thank goodness for Anya and Ella. They're so cute. Like, how can you? <laughs> They're trailing behind me, and they look it up, and she's like, and I say, we noticed on your shirt it said love. She said, oh, yes. I was like, do you know that Jesus loves you? Like, I mean, that's, like, let's be honest. That's quite a lame line. In, in, but it's true, but, like, it's, like, it's not the, <laughs> It's power. It's powerful. It's not very eloquent or anything like that, you know. I'm just like I'm just I'm, yeah. Because so, I mean, obviously, I've got two little girls with me. I'm trying to teach them in the ways of the Lord as well. I'm trying to train them in the ways of the Lord. So like, hey, you know that Jesus loves you. And she looked at me. Yes, her face lit up, and she goes, "Yes, I do." And it, you've just made my day. This is bless you. Thank you. So I said, "Do you believe in Jesus?" <laughs> That would be the obvious next question. And she said, yes, I do. And I was like, phew, okay. <laughs> no, no, actually, what I should have been going is, oh, like, I want, to te- I want to tell her about Jesus. But she said, yes, I do, and thank you so much. You have actually just made my day. Like, this is so important. Thank you. 
And the girls' like eyes were big, and they were like, da, 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 da. And we all, off we walked, and I was like, okay, cool. cool. Like, Lord, I've done what, did what I felt like I needed to do. I was a beanie in the moment. And Anya comes to me later in the day, and she's like, God is awesome, eh? I'm like, like out of the blue. I'm like, yeah, obviously, but why? <laughs> and she goes, no, just that lady knew Jesus. But, and this was kind of mulling over in her head all day. I mean, this was hours later. She came to me. She'd remember that moment. She said, hey, God is good, eh? This little eight-year-old girl. I was like, God, and so I think there's something of us and just, we don't always know what to say. We just ask the Holy Spirit and dip, just go for it. Just go for it. Maybe the last point um, on that is, um, I think we make this mistake of believing that others will do it. I'm not gifted like that, and I've just told you that it's not a gift. Um, you know, it's not my part of the body. Somebody else will do it because they're better at speaking, or they're better equipped, or they're more confident. Or the, you know, I'm not an extrovert; I'm an introvert, so I'm not going to like. Uh, when they come through the door, I'll love them, but I'm not going to share the gospel with them because I just. And I want to say that's not true. Every single one of us is called to do this. Every single one of us. And it's not like, we, if we all think like that, because it's quite difficult to do, like very few people are actually going to be evangelizing. Very few people are going to be telling people about Jesus. So, a challenge for us as a congregation. This is a little bit of a different message this morning. I just like, I'm kind of wanting to stir it up in us, spark our thinking about it as well, because I'm not going to, I don't want to really talk about it again, I want us to do it now. I think there's something, I know some of the guys talked about it in community in the week, I think some of them were like, hey, let's go and do some street evangelism, let's go walk through the mall, um, I asked Colin to grab a bunch of names yesterday, I've asked Colin to maybe stir it, so you might get a call from him, or uh, if you are and do have a heart for it and really want to get involved and maybe go out on a Sunday, won't you go and give your name to Colin? Because we're going to start a group of guys that are going to want to be doing this regularly because this is actually a muscle within us that needs to continuously get massaged and worked. Again, it's not like you don't have to necessarily feel drawn to it. Just come along. Learn. Maybe the first time you aren't confident enough to say anything, but maybe the person next to you is. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to encourage you guys to do that. Like, get out. Community, who knows? On a Wednesday evening, can community all meet at the park or the mall or something like that, split into groups and go two by two and go and look for people that don't know Jesus? Like, don't do that every week. Like, <laughs> although you can actually if you want to. <laughs> but there's something of doing this together. It's also fun. Like, there's purpose and there's a, like a, a muscle being involved. So, the challenge is this. I want to challenge each of you this week to share the gospel with one random person. I'm not, I don't want to put anything on you. I don't want to put law, be weird in any way like that. But I want to challenge you guys. Which the Bible tells us. Preach the gospel. Bind up the brokenhearted. But I want to ask you guys, try. Step out in faith. A random person, try and get this conversation there and go for it. Can you do that? That's what challenge number one. 
Right, so a random person. Change number two is to invite a friend or somebody that doesn't know Jesus, could be a random person as well, that you've met and have their details and are able to follow up with, to church. Because we also want to see people get saved at church. So, look, we don't, we're not only point, we point people towards Jesus, okay? And then he adds them to family. This is the family. But people will find Jesus at church sometimes. So sometimes you aren't able to get, reach them in the moment, and it's not, but maybe when they see this, they'll find his love. Because actually often, God's, often God does that. Is we can't find his, necessarily find his love like this. But if we find it like this, because he uses people to love people, he says, by this the world will know them. So they find love over here, and eventually then they find love over here as well. So I want to encourage you guys. Eh? Speak to somebody that doesn't know Jesus, random. Invite a friend or somebody, somebody that doesn't know Jesus to church. Try and get them in. Don't just go invite them and then forget about it. Follow up on them. Make it difficult for them not to come. Lisa was trying to get somebody. She told me about a story. Where's Lisa? Yeah, right, yeah, sorry. Told me about a story about um, somebody this last week, this gentleman they met. And she, like, made it very difficult for this guy not to go to church. She was like, I haven't got a car. She's like, well, he has money for an Uber. And he was like, <laughs> so you, like, they would just do whatever they can to get the person there, actually. So I want to encourage you guys. Follow up on them. Get their telephone number. Offer to pick them up. Give them bus fare if they need bus. Whatever. And try and get them to something that resembles family. If it's community or church. But try and get them to church. Because often, I'll, I'll do it. That's why you know. I'll, if you have, weren't able to throw out the net, I'll do it on Sunday. Just say no. Because I'm going to do that just now. Uh, hang on. Let me number three. Is it about this? Okay, quickly. Morning, everyone. So just two small things, and this is like something... Okay, I'll be very quick, Ross. Okay, so the one thing is... Um, so Jaws is amazing at connecting with people, and this week Nicole told me that this guy that I used to go to college with him and his fiance and their tiny baby went to Joss's house, a party or something, I don't know. Anyway, she started, Nicole started describing to me these people, and I knew it was them. And I was like, oh my goodness, how amazing, because he used to be in church, and now he's like super backslidden, and he's just in, yeah, not a great, oh, I don't know, in terms of Jesus, not in a great place in life. And then I'd actually seen on Instagram, like, she posted this little message of how, like, she's got this tiny baby, the baby's not sleeping, she's going out of her mind, whatever. And in my, inside, I was just like, she so badly needs community. And then the next day, Nicole tells me that she's been to this group, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus, like, thank goodness for just doing this thing, because maybe that's the way that, like, they're going to bring, God's going to bring them back to church and Jesus. And then one last very quickly thing. So I was praying for, I've got a lot of, um, let's call them pre-Christian friends <laughs> I'm connecting with. And one of them is one that I work with. And like last night I went to this dinner party and I was praying on the way, like, oh, I think she maybe grew up in a Christian family, but I know she isn't a Christian and wouldn't say she is. And anyway, I get to this party and I'm just like hoping that there's an opportunity for me to share something. And twice in the evening, which is like, I haven't met with her a lot before, but it, it happens that somebody is talking about church or a Christian or something, but I'm not there in the space to like actually 
you know, in, intervene or say anything or whatever. And I was like, that's so weird. Like, I wish, like, how did it happen twice during that evening that it happened? And then last time I was like, oh, that's really strange. And I wish there was an opportunity for that. And then earlier when Joss was speaking about Singing in the Rain, this movie evening, I just felt like she loves the move, outdoor movies, like this person who I'm trying to minister to. And anyways, I was like, that's so awesome because I could bring her, but maybe actually the reason why I wasn't able to meet with her, but I heard her speaking about how she's got this Christian friend who keeps inviting her to things. It wasn't, it's not me. Um, and I'm like, okay, maybe Jesus was actually telling me I need to approach this in a different way, and I need to pray about the situation and that when this opportunity comes, the singing the rain thing, um, yeah, that he will make an opportunity for it to happen. So I think it's also being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, which I'm trying to do much more. And then he leads you in, like, how are you going to minister to people? Um, and, you know, he gives you the faith to trust that, like, God can do something in them. But obviously, you're just trying to be obedient, like Ross is saying. It's very good. It's obedience to the Spirit. Listen, I want to have a Sunday that we actually just have testimonies about the, the, exactly that type of thing. Because I think all our hearts need to be bursting with what God's doing. Like, like Tara is going, like I, want to, can, I want to, like, I want to tell you. And that's how we should, that's, I want to do, a, I want to have a Sunday soon where we actually just testify about what God's done. As we go and do now, actually. Um, the third thing I want to ask you guys is to spend some time meditating on the gospel and how badly you need the gospel. So this week, because that's the place it comes out of. That's the place it flows out of. When you cut to the heart, you respond to him, and you cannot keep these things to yourself. So um, are we good? Hallelujah. <laughs> so I want to like, maybe end with this. Because, um, you know, sometimes, how many of you guys, well, maybe don't ask a question like this, but if you don't know where you're going when you die, you can know that. You know that. You can be 100% convinced and know. There is, the Bible talks about assurance of salvation. Um, in uh, 1 John it says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. If you have the Son, you have eternal life. You can know where you're going when you die. And I said earlier, there's heaven and there's hell. There's a very popular belief today in liberal, progressive Christianity that there is no hell, actually. It's just everybody go to the same place. And I was confronted this week with it, actually. And, and I want to tell you guys, that's, that's not true. It's not the truth. Be careful. There's, it's progressive. It's not founded in, do, like, it's not good theology. I got confronted this week on it for the first, I just thought, let me do this. I never often, I often don't do this. Put up my Facebook status. I said, you know where you're going when you die? I was being a little bit provocative. And I got a bunch of funny answers or whatever. But I know one guy answers me, he goes, where? We all go to the same place. And I know what he was doing because I know the guy. He was trying to provoke me. He was trying to, so I didn't fall for it to a degree. <laughs> I know the guy, so I said, nah, man, you must choose. You're either going to heaven or hell. <laughs> I gave him a bit of a... And he came back at me with, a, with an answer of, why would, why would a father send his child to hell? With, like, why would a good father send his child to hell? If you're a child of God... Like, so, I said, so I answered this to him. I said to him, well, Galatians... I think it's Galatians 3 verse 26 says, we're children of God... 
by faith in Christ. Okay, so we children of God by faith in Christ. Ephesians 2.23 tells us that we were objects of wrath before salvation. And in John 8.44, Jesus tells the Pharisees that they are children of the devil because they do what their father does. They lie. So I said to him, my answer was this. I said, you know, you're right to some degree. But unless we bow our knees to Jesus, unless we surrender our life to Jesus, you aren't a child of God, actually. You're a child of the devil. And I was like, that's quite harsh language. That's quite strong language. But this is what the Bible teaches. Unless you surrender your life and even give it all up for him, you do not belong to him. So you're not his child. It's not. And I never got a reply. But I want to maybe leave that with us now. Because like, we can, maybe there's somebody here sitting here that, that doesn't know where you're going, actually. That doesn't, you're not even 100% sure if you're a child of God. And you can be. I told you, and John, if you have the Son, you can be promised eternal life. So maybe, why don't, we, why don't you guys stand with me now? Um, I, want to maybe do, I want to maybe do this and ask you a few questions. And if you can answer yes to these questions, there's no reason why you can't have eternal life. Is do you understand that you just is you working this out in your own heart and your own in your own thoughts? Do you understand that you're a sinner? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that he came to earth, lived a perfect life, and was crucified for your sins? Do you believe that he rose again on the third day and is now seated at the right hand of the Father? And if you can, if you can answer yes to every single one of those questions, then there's, and you've never asked Jesus into your life, and you've never asked him to become your Lord and Savior, there is no reason why you cannot have the assurance of going to heaven if you walk out of here and you get hit by a bus. And I... I mean, I'm just being very crude, but like that man that Jonathan's prayed for, the next day he's found him dead. You can know without a shadow of a doubt that if anything had ever happened to you, you're going to heaven, to your Father in heaven, your good Father in heaven. So if that is you and you've answered yes to all those questions and you've never actually had an opportunity to pray, I wanna, we're all going to pray this. So maybe just let's bow our heads. And pray just a simple prayer. It's so we say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me for my sins. Please come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Please will you help me live for the rest of my life in you. Amen. Amen.